Thanks for joining me, Pete Holtzman, for the Credentials Only Podcast, where you are introduced to people who work in sports. Today's guest is Aaron Jorgoseski, co-founder of Recover. Athletes are doing more and more to care for their bodies, and the payoff for some has not only been improved performance, but increased longevity. While Aaron has designs on helping athletes like himself, he's found a much greater audience for his services. Everybody else, it's not just athletes who need to recover. Anybody who wants to perform to their best needs to have an optimal balance with every variable of the system. Whether an elite athlete or not, Aaron feels strongly that anyone who comes to recover has to really buy into the process in order to reap its rewards. I've often said the same way you can't outrun a bad diet, you can't out technology a poor lifestyle. So what you're eating is recovery, your hydration is recovery. Um, but on top of that, there's things throughout the day that an outsider might not view as um, the practice of recovery, but the mindset and the motivation is very much so for whoever's doing it. Aaron describes a number of different recovery tools that he uses, but one got him more excited than the others. The elevator pitch on Newcom is it's the world's only technology that's patented to uh, minimize stress and improve sleep quality without drugs. It provides two to three hours of sleep in 30 minutes. Any of the tools Aaron uses have been well-researched to understand how best to use them and also what benefits they may provide. Because I geek out on the science and I was talking about theta brainwave frequency and this and that and hypnagogic dissociation and most 99% of people, like I could care less about that. How am I going to feel? When you do lay out the science as far as um, really making people aware that you know their grind doesn't have to grind them up. While you listen, visit credentialsonly.com for more information about many of the things that we discuss. And while you're there, you can sign up for our mailing list and we'll notify you when we have a new episode. If you like what you hear, please take a moment to leave a rating or review wherever you are listening. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Recover co-founder, Aaron Jorgoseski. Aaron, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate your time. I want to start just by asking you, how good is it for business to see at age 43, Tom Brady having the success he's having, or even LeBron James at 36, and both of them, among other athletes, but those two in particular, given their age and their success, talking about recovery. Is this good for business? Do people know more about what you do because of these stars? I would say it's as good for business as when uh, in the early 50s, when the four-minute mile was broken, how that was good for running. Uh, yes, it's very much uh, good for my business. It uh, creates uh, a, a new paradigm of, of opportunity and what's possible. And, um, you know, we're still going to be held to what Father Time wants us to do for the most part, but we can stretch it out quite a bit these days uh, with the right purpose and right practice. There's a reported figure that's been thrown around, and I don't know how well sourced it necessarily is. And I think it came from Maverick Carter originally, not necessarily from LeBron, but. The figure is $1.5 million, and, and that's said to be what LeBron spends annually only on recovery, not on anything else he's doing, but on recovery. Does that number compute? Does, do you think that's oh, yeah. real? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, by and large, the I hate the term the average person, but when the average person, just for the sake of this narrative, thinks about recovery, they think... Uh, percussion tools, foam rolling, supplements, but there's there's some technologies out there and some that we had at Recover um, that the price tag is is pretty high. So the CVAC, for example, uh, was after shipping about 150 grand, and that's one tool. Now it was and is worth every single penny. Um, so that's just one. Then you start to get into the red light laser therapy beds. Those can be a quarter million themselves, um, and again, they're they'll. Those technologies are priced as high as they are because um, they get the job done. So I, I believe it. I'm surprised he only spends $1.5 Okay, so I want to get into those particular tools that you mentioned, and there are many more, and I want to get into that in depth during our conversation today. Sure. But I want to go a little bit back and just kind of go more broadly in a very common sense way, define recovery. 
here's the elevator pitch. It's, it's recreating balance bottom line. So, uh, balance and performance are defined by the individual. So if we're talking athletes, most people initially think soft tissue or orthopedic recovery. Oh, you're talking about making sure your body feels up to speed. Yes and no. But I mean, we both know that there's plenty of times where an athlete physically is feeling great, but they're preoccupied, they're stressed out. They didn't get the proper sleep. They're jet lagged. And I don't care how well your quads and your hamstrings and your shoulders feel, if any of those variables are imbalanced, your performance is going to decline. And that definitely holds true with everybody else. It's not just athletes who need to recover. Anybody who wants to perform to their best needs to have an optimal balance with every variable of the system. Around teams, we hear about strength and conditioning coaches. There are the the athletic trainers, the physios who you hear more about when it comes to repair, you know, you sprained an ankle, you got to rehab it. Then there's prehab. This feels like it's different than that. And recovery is, is something that plays into all of those things, but is its own area. And would it be fair to call it even a maintenance thing? Um, I would say in the Venn diagram, it's not a complete overlap with what the physios are doing. I think there is some overlap. Um, I don't, I don't know that I would narrow it down to a maintenance thing because a lot of it is um, performance enhancement, which, which I don't view as synonymous. So again, it can very much be maintenance, but it can also be performance enhancement when we're looking at um, increasing ATP production. So that, you know, the energy within our cells, it will that benefit uh, athletic recovery? Sure. But it also will benefit performance. So um, it really, is defined by what the athlete, what the coaches, what the physios are, are looking to implement based on what that person needs. Um, but, uh, you know, sorry to kind of give a roundabout chase my tail answer, but it, it can be all of those things. Yeah. And it, it, like anything that you do, whether it's strength and conditioning or even a rehab from an injury, any athlete's going to get out of it really what they put into it. And if, if they don't commit to it, it's probably not going to be successful for someone at the absolute highest level, LeBron, Brady, others, how much time would you think they are spending on simply recovery throughout the course of a weekend season? This is going to be another mildly verbose answer in that (laughs) if we're talking the technologies themselves, Uh, maybe an hour, maybe two hours, but I I do think uh, people at that level and just high performers in general. So high performer could also mean a C-level executive or a mom that wants to be at her best with her children. Uh, I think that they're viewing their entire day as recovery because recovery isn't just the tools, it's the lifestyle. So Mm -hmm. um, I've often said the same way you can't outrun a bad diet, you can't out technology a uh, a poor life, a poor lifestyle. So what you're eating is recovery. Your hydration is recovery. Um, but on top of that, there's things throughout the day that an outsider might not view as, um, the practice of recovery, but the mindset and the motivation is very much so for whoever's doing it. So I would say hours throughout the day, you know, really depends on how much, um, they're taxing their system. I think that any, high-level athlete or performer um, has a good understanding of their baseline, and they also understand what, how much they've taken away from it based on the practice, the competition, and their goal is to get themselves back to baseline ASAP. I'm glad you mentioned people from a C-suite and others who aren't those elite athletes, because I would imagine that for a lot of these elite athletes, there's an opportunity to have a lot of this at their disposal through the teams that they're working with. Yet you guys have opened a studio in New York specifically to provide these services. And there's probably some pro athletes who come through there, but I have to imagine you're targeting a much wider group of clientele than just those elite pro athletes. Who is it that you're trying to target to come into your recover studio in New York? Uh, The elevator pitch is anybody who doesn't want to settle for good enough. So I've been known to say ad nauseum, there's a difference between walking through the door and showing up. 
you know, you can walk through the door most times. You can get your job done, but was it your best? And it doesn't matter how it, how it compares to others. So it's not relative to others. It's relative to you. So you've, I've also heard the only person you should compare yourself to is who you were yesterday. So if you want to maximize your performance, if you want to get better, if you want to be more in the moment, less distracted, it could be anybody. And at Recover, we have... I thought it was going to be like 70% athletes to 30%, uh, you know, gen pop for lack of a better term, but it was at least 50, 50, if not 40, 60 athlete to the average person, because uh, especially in New York city, uh, life happens to you. And at recover, we say uh, anybody who has a performance demand has a performance stressor. And when that stress uh, declines or performance declines with it and just being engaged in life will start to wear away at a lot of our faculty. So I think there's a lot of people that once they understood that there is an answer, there's some things you can do, if anything, just to feel better because performance doesn't have to mean, you know, moving an object from one end of the court or the field to the other. It's just get through my day feeling and performing at, at my best so that I really maximize my life. And um, yeah, it was at least, like I said, at least 50-50, if not more. What tends to be the trigger that gets people to come to recover seeking your services? Is it a lifestyle change? Is it a New Year's resolution? Is it uh, you know, realizing that they're dealing with immense travel fatigue from going overseas? Or is there a specific thing or two that tends to lead people to you? Um, I think there's two because we, we found that our demographic – um, there's some that are only concerned with the journey, and then there's others that are more concerned with the destination. So absolutely, the athletes are going to be more the destination. Um, so we have things like Newcom, uh, the infrared sauna, the Normatec sleeves, all those things feel amazing. So it, independent of what it's going to do for you, like, I just like the way this feels, leave me alone. Um, so I think that that is the first thing is, is, providing the awareness that these things exist and then framing the marketing around how you're going to feel. Uh, I remember when we first opened, cause I geek out on the science and I was talking about theta brainwave frequency and this and that and hypnagogic dissociation and most 99% of people like I could care less about that. How am I going to feel? Um, so that brought in that crowd. But then when you do lay out the science, as far as, um, really making people aware that, you know, their grind doesn't have to grind them up. If you're feeling X and you'd rather perform like Y, then why not come in here? And um, I think that that's what really opened the doors for that second half. Uh, Going to get into the geeking out on the science part here, because you've got some stuff that sounds fascinating without getting into the weeds on some of the specific sure. items. What is it like when someone walks into your studio? What's this space like in New York? Um, so this, the actual space right now uh, is one of many things that fell victim to, to COVID. Mm -hmm. So if they walk in there now, I have no idea, no idea what it looks <laughs> like. Uh, we still have our mobile platform, but when we did have it open and we will open it again, um, it was, we called it a hidden oasis. So, uh, you know, we, to say we bootstrapped this would be putting it lightly. You know, Rick and I went out and looked for a space before we had a business model or a, or a business plan and we secured a space and, you know, seeking investment was challenging to say the least because we were first to market. So if you don't have proof of concept, a savvy investor is going to say, this sounds cool, but there's no way I'm going to put any money into something with no proof of concept. Um, but we did it. So we scraped together um, about a million dollars and we made sure. And when was this? Sorry to interrupt. This when, was what year 2018. Was this? Okay. About so pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we really made sure to not only uh, vet all the technologies to make sure there was research behind all of them so that it didn't uh, bite us in the rear end a year down the road, but to make sure that the physical space was a place that you'd want to be regardless of what you were about to use. And we wanted to make sure it felt cool to walk into. Now, the catch to that is it was on the fourth floor uh, of a building that was on 30th Street between 7th and 8th. You could barely find it. Like Even people that knew where it was had a hard time getting there, hard time finding it. But once you did, 
the elevator doors opened and um, there was some nice neon signs that had our sub branding, but we made sure that um, the materials themselves represented our foundation, which meant there was really nice concrete brick uh, walkways. There was a really nice bamboo floor. We had a $25,000 art fixture made of wood on the ceiling. Um, and then really sparse but purposeful graffiti by uh, a guy who was featured in Vice Magazine a few times. Um, and the reason why the technology was sparse and there's only one or two of the neon signs versus all the wood and all the concrete was um, we wanted the foundation to be the organic elements. You know, so we've said before, we're not about the what. It's not about the technologies. It's about the who, when, and why, meaning who are you walking through? So we're looking at your system. So we're looking at the organic side. And then once we find that, we'll pair the technology. So the, the space represented that. So it sounds like it's kind of a custom experience for each person who walks in that door. What would the onboarding process have been like for a first-time client? Yeah, so we, we left that open to people because there's, there's some that very much want that VIP treatment. And I made sure I don't care who you are. I don't care if you have an Instagram handle at all. Um, if you're coming to us, then you've decided that I want to improve something in my life and, and I'm going to treat you the same way I would anyone else. So um, we would do one-on-one -on -one assessments for lack of a better term, um, make suggestions, take the time to figure out again, systemically what's going on. Cause you might not be able to articulate it, but then there are some people that like, you know what? I don't really care. I just heard that you have Netflix in your infrared sauna. I just want to have some me time. It's like, okay, you can do that too. So it's really up to the, up to the person, what their experience was like. All right. Let's start with low tech. You mentioned earlier, like foam rollers. And I think that's probably the conventional use of, of recovery uh, equipment that most people might have already in their home. What is some of that kind of entry level, for lack of a better term, recovery equipment that people may be familiar with? Yeah. So the, you know, the, the foam rollers, uh, which is funny because uh, when I teach workshops, one of the first things I say is um, two things. The term foam roller is is odd because m there's nothing magical about foam. And most of them these days aren't made of foam anyways. Um, and you shouldn't really be doing a whole lot of rolling anyhow. It should be a, a marginally dense object sit stiller, but that's hard to market and hard to brand that name. So <laughs> um, so the those tools, the SMR tools, they also have... Um, the percussion therapy. So the hyper I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and I'm going to warn you, I'm going to interrupt you here a lot because sure, no problem. I am, I am novice level, your geek level, SMR. Uh, self, self myofascial release. Sorry about that. Okay. No worries. So that's a, that's a, would be the way that uh, a lot of people refer to foam rolling is, is self myofascial release. Um, so those are pretty entry level. And um, you know, the same way I talked about, nothing magical about foam. Um, you don't necessarily even need a foam roller to release those muscles in your body. I've used, um, and I had the cap on it and it was full, uh, a Snapple bottle. I was on vacation in St. Croix and there was nothing to be found. So yeah, anything that's safe and can create adequate pressure into the belly of a muscle. Um, if you maintain pressure on it for at least 30 seconds, it will release. Um, now the flip side is if it's too hard or too uncomfortable or too soft, it won't get the job done. Um, but you can really use anything, but that's, that is the baseline. Um, and I, I always make sure that people know that, you know, if we compared and contrast the Norma tech sleeves, which would probably be the next step up in, in, in my, uh, uh, from my perspective, um, they're, they're pretty familiar now. Uh, there's things that the Normatech does that the foam rollers don't and vice versa. So I tell people, don't look at it as one or the other. It should be like most tools. It's not, should I use a dumbbell today or should I use a barbell? It's like, well, what does your program dictate? And really understanding how to uh, use one versus the other or both uh, to really get the job done. I'll go right to those Normatech sleeves. That's a, a technology that seems like it could be coupled with other things because it's passive. You know, when you're foam rolling, you kind of have to focus on, I mean, for me, not falling off the thing, but you know, <laughs> it, the Normatech sleeves, you, you slide into those things and then 
you can read, you can watch a show, you can catch up on email, whatever you need to do. What are those devices and what are they doing to the body? So for anybody who's never heard of them, seen them, uh, the most common uh, Normatec product is the, excuse me, the sleeves that go over your leg. So it looks like a pair of pants. Um, they do make them for the, the pelvis area. So the really upper thigh, and then they also make them for the shoulders, but all of them have the same functionality in that they fill with air, almost like a blood pressure cuff. Um, but it doesn't fill globally all at the same time. The whole thing doesn't inflate. So it starts at the lowest end of the limb. So the foot, and then it makes its way up to the calf and then the knee. And what it's doing is it's, um, it's increasing or actually decreasing initially, uh, blood flow. So it's essentially squeezing up the limb to encourage circulation towards your trunk. So it gets rid of all the lactic acid, all the byproducts. And then when it releases, because that's part of the, um, experience is it fills, releases, fills, releases, um, you get the old stuff out. And then when the pressure releases, um, fresh blood comes into the leg. So it's really good for circulation. It's good for clearing, um, athletic byproducts like lactic acid, et cetera. Um, and it was actually originally created to the best of my knowledge for, for lymphedema. So it was originally just to increase the circulation of lymphatic fluid um, years ago, but then I don't know who figured it out, but they said, if you're moving lymphatic fluid, you're probably moving all fluid. So you're probably moving blood as well. So it transitioned more into uh, the athletic space. Is it roughly the same benefits that you'd get from a massage, just a different delivery mechanism? Um, it depends on what type of massage. So, uh, okay. you and I met at the, at the U S open and, um, I had this conversation with multiple players and definitely coaches, um, in that, uh, at least when I was, when I was competing in boxing, it was known the day of absolutely not, but even the day before you don't want to get a deep massage, um, because it can adversely affect the way that you move. So it can, um, reduce the tonicity or the neurological drive to muscles. Uh, it can also create um, sensitivity, but a light massage, which I personally, and I, I am a licensed massage therapist, I, I kind of feel is a waste of time for me because I'm not really getting anything done. Um, the Normatec, it does a much better job than the deep massage at increasing that circulation, but it has zero of the adverse effects like taking neural drive away, making you feel sore. So you can use it right before a practice or a competition um, and not have to worry about any of those adverse effects. In the realm of the foam roller and the Normatec compression are things, hyper ice is probably the most common of them out there. Those mm -hmm. little massage guns, handheld, where you can really focus in on a particular trigger point. Where does that fall in with those, the foam rolling and Normatec? Uh, to the best of my knowledge, and um, you know, there's only a little bit of research comparing it, but it's this exact same concept as foam rolling. In, in one application. So sometimes people roll back and forth on a foam roller just to get some blood to the muscle. Um, you can do that with the uh, hypervolt. Uh, but when you see people just sitting still on a muscle, um, it's the same thing as is just laying on one spot on a foam roller. When you lay on it, after about 30 seconds, it takes away some of the neural tension because our muscles can get quote unquote tight from two different areas. So they can become shorter or they can just become what's called hypertonic or there's just too much neurological stimulation. So when you either sit still or you use the hypervolt and stay on a muscle, um, after 30 seconds, um, it essentially overwhelms your receptors. So it's sending the brain so many signals that after 30 seconds, it's like, okay, enough. And it just takes some of that neural drive away so that you can get more range of motion um, and you take that quote unquote, tightness away. Another device that you've mentioned here is the CVAC, a silic variations in adaptive conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to explain that one because that's sure. way out of my depth. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sure you, you understand now why they reduced it to an acronym. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, so 
essentially the CVAC is a pod that you sit in. Um, it almost looks like, and this is going to date me for sure. Uh, it almost looks like the thing that uh, Mork from Mork and Mindy landed on earth in almost looks like, it looks like an egg. Um, but what it does is it draws oxygen and atmospheric pressure out of the chamber. And then the same way that the Normatec squeezes, releases, squeeze, it does the same thing, but with oxygen and pressure. So most people, the first thing I say is, oh, it's like a, a barometric chamber. Not really, because a, a barometric chamber just takes oxygen out and just, that's it. You're just sitting there with less oxygen. And that's almost like um, training at altitude. So you adapt to less oxygen. Um, and there is a component where you, you go into what's called a hypoxic state or less oxygen, but it's that fluctuation and pressure and why they call it cyclic variations. Uh, so if you think about the tools we've talked about so far, foam rolling and Normatec, you're going from baseline to more pressure. So the first thing CVEC does is it draws pressure off, which allows cells to expand. And then when it re and then when it increases, it applies pressure. So you're squeezing every cell in the body, getting rid of all the waste products you're moving uh, lymphatic fluid, similar, but I, actually a, a little bit more effectively than uh, Normatec, but it does a lot of things on the cellular level, um, which is why there are copious amounts of athletes that everybody's heard of that use it, but don't talk about it because it is their secret weapon and they don't want anyone else to know. Um, predominantly because there is a uh, peer-reviewed research study where they showed athletes using it, and I think it was an eight-week trial, uh, increased their VO2 max by 5.7% or their, um, for in layman's terms, their, their, their endurance. Uh, okay. And if you look at what a lot of the athletes, the cyclists got in trouble for a long time ago with EPO blood doping, on average, that gives you a 2% increase. So CVAC is almost three times as much uh, WADA and USADA don't necessarily like it because you get to just sit in a chamber and, and become a beast. Uh, but not only is it not something that's harmful, it is really good for you. There's also research studies on how it's improved the metabolic markers in men with prediabetes. So they're like, we can't ban this, but we just kind of wish that you wouldn't use it because you're just sitting there. But uh, yeah, a lot of people use it. Yeah. And, and not something that's going to show up on some sort of a, a blood or urine sample either. No, I mean, cause it, it's, if you think about it, when we, when we exercise, especially weight training, when I contract, if I did a bicep curl, when I contract my bicep, that is increasing pressure on the cell. And then when I release, it takes the pressure off. So that is exercise in a nutshell. But while I'm doing that, I'm also creating metabolic waste versus in the CVAC, I'm sitting there passively. So I'm getting that same reduction, reapplication, but there's nothing being created. So it's basically exercise sitting still. You mentioned being able to watch Netflix in an infrared sauna. I've heard of a sauna. What is an infrared sauna? Um, if you didn't know that it was infrared, nothing. It's, it looks like a sauna. It feels like a sauna, but the heat is a byproduct of the infrared light. Um, which we don't see with our eyes, but um, you know, the first thing that I, I had to really help people understand is it's not the same as UV light. So it's not like a tanning bed, um, but it is present in sunlight. So infrared light uh, penetrates through our skin. Um, and let me take a step back. So there's three different uh, wavelengths. So there's near, mid, and far infrared. Um, near infrared doesn't penetrate that deep. It really only gets through to skin cells predominantly, uh, whereas far gets all the way through past muscles, into muscles, but also into tendons. So if we think about um, runners or tennis players, it's, it's not very uncommon to have somebody sprain their Achilles tendon. That's fairly common. Now, the problem with that is uh, tendons don't get a lot of blood flow. They're known as avascular whereas muscles do. So muscles heal relatively fastly, fast, whereas tendons don't. So when you get in an infrared, that far infrared light penetrates into the tendon um, and it actually stimulates the mitochondria. So it really gets them moving. So it expedites the healing process. 
Um, but again, there's at least 50% of the people that came into recover that said, I, I don't care. It's pleasantly hot. It's not as hot as a regular sauna. So regular saunas are like between 180 and 200 degrees, whereas in infrareds usually 140 to 150. So you're still sweating, but it's a lot more tolerable. I used to tap out of regular saunas pretty quickly. I might not have this name right. I think you said red light laser therapy. Yeah. So um, it's, so there's a company called Novathor um, that that looks exactly like a tanning bed. So it's a, almost like a cocoon that you pull over, um, but it's the same thing. It is red light instead of it's same concept without getting too deep into the weeds on the different uh, spectrums, um, but the light penetrates through to expedite healing. So it goes to the cellular level. Um, now the Novathor is laser grade. Um, so it's something that they've used in NASA. I know a lot of the astronauts were using it uh, to prevent atrophy and, and a bunch of other things, but um, it's just exponentially stronger than a standard red light, but they both get the same thing done. And I know this is one that you're really passionate about uh, and is a spectacular experience. New Calm. What oh. is that? Oh, baby. <laughs> uh, oh, you're going to have to interrupt me a lot on this one. So the elevator pitch on Newcom is it's the world's only technology that's patented to uh, minimize stress and improve sleep quality without drugs. It provides two to three hours of sleep in 30 minutes. It increases heart rate variability or HRV. So anybody who's used a whoop or aura or anything that, that gauges your, your biofeedback. HRV essentially dictates where you are on the recovery spectrum, your overall health. Uh, so it boosts that in real time. So, okay. Uh, sorry. I'm going to slow you down and I will sure. interrupt you liberally through this. What do I want to see? I mean, if I've got one of those whoops or an Apple watch, even they're tracking HRV, what do I look for? Um, you, you want to look for trends. So uh, the same ways in which Whoop, Aura, Apple Watch, uh, you have to take the sleep metrics with a grain of salt. You know, the gold standard is going into a sleep specialist and having all those patches all over you. Um, none of the technologies out there uh, are, are capable of truly capturing HRV. Um, and oddly enough, uh, the people that did the research on Newcom and its ability uh, to boost HRV. There are the people that created the, um, uh, the algorithm for the whoop and the aura for reading HRV. And they said, it's, it's a good way to measure your baseline. So I would say wear it for a week, 10 days, see where your trends are. And then your only goal from there is to just look at your baseline and any deviations and then try to just keep it at least at your baseline, if not above. Okay. But everybody's is different also. That's, that's a hard thing is, um, you know, it's assumed that the lower your HRV, uh, the more poorly you've recovered, you're more susceptible to getting sick. Um, everything is compromised. So a higher HRV is better. Um, but everybody's individual HRV is going to differentiate. So um, I know people who are these specimens of health. And if I looked at their HRV, I'd say, oh, that's fairly low, but it's low for me, not for them, but it doesn't mean anything. Okay. So sorry, cut you off when you got it's to okay. HRV, carrying on how sure. new calm gives you three hours of sleep in 30 minutes. Yeah. So when we sleep, uh, we go through a few different stages and then there's a few different brain waves associated with that. So right now you and I are, are in what's called beta brainwave frequency or alert. So there's a pretty large spectrum of beta from I'm alert, but chill to I'm freaking out. Um, anything below that, it would be alpha, theta, and delta. And that is essentially sleep. So alpha is awake, but like you've had a glass of red wine. Theta is like when you're going to sleep at night and your mind starts wandering, but you could get up if you needed to. Delta is deep sleep. Um, so as, especially once we hit puberty, um, we minimize the amount of time we spend in theta frequency. And that's super important because theta 
Um, although it's not deep sleep, is also associated with REM sleep. And it's also where we get all of our healing done. That's where cells flush their waste products out. It's where they repair. Uh, that's also where, and this is very important for athletes, when you're practicing anything, you're trying to acquire a skill, which essentially you're memorizing. So unless you spend a certain amount of time in theta, your brain doesn't digest it. So you've ingested that new skill or that new um, thing that you need to memorize for work. But unless you get the proper sleep, it goes right out the window. Uh, so what Nucom does is it pulls you down and levitates you between alpha and theta and you fluctuate up and down. It doesn't want you in delta or deep sleep uh, for a few reasons. One, we want to capitalize on all that theta frequency that as adults we miss out on, um, but also anybody who's ever napped and then felt like garbage for the rest of the day, it's because they went into Delta, it got interrupted, and then the rest of your day shot. Um, so when we say two to three hours of sleep, a normal sleep cycle, which is 90 minutes where you go alpha, theta, delta, if you take delta out and just capitalize on that good stuff, um, it's the amount of time you should uh, with healthy sleep hygiene, spend in alpha and theta frequency to heal your body. How does new calm work to get you into that cycle? Uh, a few things. So uh, it's really important to identify that new calm isn't an app, although there's an app component, it's a system. And any other competitor out there, especially if we're talking binaural beats is only focusing on what you're listening to. Um, which is telling the brain or encouraging the brain to relax while the rest of the body is still fairly vigilant. You know, so um, you can't repair your body if one aspect is in that healing zone and the other half is not. So what Nucom does is uh, it used to be a topical cream that you put behind your neck and then transcranial stimulation. Um, number one, that was messy and expensive and it took forever. So after about five years, they, they narrowed it down to, it looks like a sticker and you put it on your left wrist, but it is anything but a sticker. It's actually um, electromagnetically stimulated uh, and similar to a battery. When you have a battery out, it's not leaking energy, but you plug it in, it does its job. So once that sticker makes contact to your skin, that electromagnetic frequency sends a signal to the brain to release uh, a neurotransmitter called GABA which essentially fights adrenaline. So adrenaline uh, picks things up, speeds things up, GABA slows them down. So it slows down your respiratory rate, your heart rate, your body releases it uh, right before sleep and during sleep. So it prepares your entire body to heal. Um, that's like the garage door opener. So the car that gets you to your destination of, I feel better, I'm more alert, whatever it is, uh, is what you're listening to. Um, and it is a binaural beat, meaning there's two different frequencies going in each ear. So if there's 200 hertz in my right ear and 210 in my left ear, um, I can't tell the difference, but my brain does the math. What's going on? What's different? And then whatever the, um, the difference is between the two, so in our case, it'd be 10 hertz, is where it will lower it, the brain waves to, to, to resonate with that frequency. Um, so... That is the car that gets you there. Now, I, I identified that other competitors, um, at best, it's almost like a, a beat-up Honda Civic, and nothing wrong with Honda Civics, but uh, you know, for a lot of the high performers out there, uh, you want to drive a Lamborghini or Ferrari, and that's what the Newcom binaural beat is. And the reason why is every other binaural beat on the face of the earth is linear, meaning it doesn't change. Whatever that difference is, it maintains the same the whole way through, which means on the experience side, it feels amazing the first time. The third time, it's really good. Fifth time, it was decent. And then it doesn't do anything. Um, it, Pete, did you ever live in New York City or, or stay there for extended periods? Uh, you know, three, three and a half weeks for the U.S. Uh, Open. Okay. Um, and was there a lot of noise outside the, the hotel you were staying in? At Midtown Manhattan, yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, I assume that you'll pick up on what I'm putting down here. The first night probably had a very difficult time getting to sleep. By the seventh day, like it, it was a lot easier. And the reason is there's a part of our brain called the reticular activating system that is designed to pick up on patterns 
um, and figure them out and then filter them. So your reticular activating system on day one was like, what is this? And your brain can't process it. So you have a hard time falling asleep. By day seven, it has figured it out and it's just pushed it to the side so that you don't have to deal with it. That same uh, concept applies to any binaural beat. So after day seven, you don't really get much experience. But New Calm has what's called a nonlinear oscillating binaural beat, meaning it constantly changes frequency, pitch, and tone so that you never adapt to it that way. So every single time it's predictable, it's effective. Um, you're not going to adversely respond to it. And that's why there's tons of athletic organizations and athletes who use it uh, because the benefits to an athlete or the average person uh, are unparalleled. There are a lot of people who probably hear recovery when it comes to sports performance and immediately think of one thing that you have not mentioned at all, cold. We haven't talked about Cairo. We haven't talked about ice baths. Is that intentional that that's not something that you've really focused on? Not at all. No, it, it really was at recover. Um, the uh, footprint that it would uh, take up in the space. We had a fairly small space, like 1800 square feet. Uh, and then also uh, our bootstrapped budget. So the 150 grand after taxes meant uh, there was not going to be any cryo. Uh, right before COVID hit, we were actually in the process uh, of getting a total body cryo chamber, one without nitrogen. And um, I, I love them. I mean, I love cryo. I love ice baths. And then we use the game ready and we brought that to the U S open, which is more uh, localized on one specific area. Uh, but I'm, I'm all the game ready. Yeah. So the game ready, uh, it looks like the Normatec sleeves, just a lot smaller. So whereas a Normatec for the legs might be the whole leg, um, it's more common with game ready to have a sleeve that just goes over the calf and the foot. Uh, or over just the forearm. And you can do uh, two different parts at the same time, but um, it's really for uh, initially post-op. So people that had surgery and they had swelling and they wanted to um, really expedite the healing process. Uh, but then they figured out the same uh, concepts would apply to healing muscles from athletic, not injury, but um, strain, I guess, for lack of a better term. So it, um, it applies pressure so it's not just the, the cold itself. So um, the old acronym was RICE, so rest, ice, compression, elevate. Um, it basically does all of those. So when you're using Game Ready, you're more often than not in a reclining chair. So you get the elevation. Um, it's not above your heart, but it's close enough. But then you get the compression from the air that the sleeve fills up with. But then there's a hose that's connected to it, uh, a tank filled with ice water that puts ice water into the sleeve, not making contact to the skin, um, but you get it pretty cold. It goes to about 30, I think 33 or 34 degrees at the lowest so that you don't, um, they call it secondary burn. So if you leave ice on your skin for too long, it, you can create an issue. Uh, so it's cold enough to really get the job done, but not hurt yourself. You've mentioned that you have a mobile application and that's how you and I have met is you guys take this on the road and come out to the US Open. What is it like when you do take this out to other people? And, and what are other applications of this besides just that US Open? Yeah, so we, um, I mean, we spent a lot of our efforts on the, I guess, corporate wellness, again, for lack of a better term. So um, we bring the more mobile uh, applications. So definitely the Newcom, the Normatech. Um, we bring a pretty extensive line of the Hyperice product. So we bring the Hypervolt because especially if we're going to like, uh, we've been to Google and Nike and Viacom, um, nobody's going to lay down on the floor in the middle of their office, whereas, you know, the, you'll use the gun and hit your shoulders. Um, and then uh, we also bring the Hyperice Venoms, which are heat and vibration. So, um, you know, 80% of the U.S. population has lower back discomfort. So you throw some heat and vibration on there, it feels nice. Um, but we bring, by and large, a lot of the same tools um, that's the baseline, but then we'll have conversations with the vendor. So if we're going to an athletic event, we might bring something different. Uh, but if it's more corporate, it's it's really about increasing productivity, you know, minimizing stress, trying to put a snap pack in people's steps or, you know, making their body feel a little bit better um, from sitting at a desk all day. Uh, but we'll spend time um, 
letting whoever we're uh, doing the activation with know what our options are and then figuring out well, what is it that you want to get out of our time there. And that's consistent with the business model at the brick and mortar, which is it's not the what, it's the who, when, and why. So, you know, we'll take the time to explain why Newcom is good for a, uh, a business professional the same way it's good for an athlete, but not for the same reasons, you know? So really letting people understand that balance uh, can manifest to whatever they need in the moment. How commonplace are a lot of these tools within teams and leagues? And you mentioned some with, you know, cycling teams and whatnot, but is it regular practice among pro and college teams to have a lot of this technology at their disposal? Oh yeah. So a hyper ice, I mean, they, they are on a tear um, and, and big ups to Joe Cannon and, and, and all those people over there. They're fantastic. Uh, they now are the official sponsor of, I mean, I think every organization I can think of, and they have um, built in hyper ice rooms in a lot of the teams uh, at their headquarters. Um, but that's very, very common. The Normatech is pretty common as well. Um, I don't know how many teams I've never seen the statistics, but I know um, with Newcom, for example, uh, there's 49 different professional teams like the Golden State Warriors, Philadelphia Eagles, Chicago Blackhawks, tons of UFC fighters. Um, that's becoming a lot more common. Uh, and I think it'll become more common still because uh, people are going to start hearing about it. So Newcom was a company that spent about $30 million on the, uh, the R&D of the technology and not a cent on the marketing. So no one heard about it, but now that they are and they understand what it'll do, I think that you'll see it in as many places as, as potentially Normatech and Hyperice. Do you think teams are going to move in the way of having a recovery specialist or do you think this is going to be folded into sports medicine generally? I, th I mean, I would love to think that they'll have a recovery specialist. I, I think what will probably happen is the, the ATCs or the athletic trainers or the coaches, you know, they'll get versed with the science um, and it'll probably go in that direction. And even at, um, you know, at the U S open, I, I really tried my best anytime um, a physio or an ATC or a coach came in, like, I will speak to them. What would you like for me to do? I will talk you through what I think I should do, but you're the boss. So, you know, really working with them in that collaborative process. And um, especially at that level, I'd imagine it's either going to be the athletes themselves just saying, I know my body. I know what this does. I've done the research or um, somebody within the organization will just uh, take the reins on that. You mentioned that you like to geek out on the science. What is your background to understand not just the technology of what all these tools do, but the body and how the body's going to react to it? Yeah. So I've been a fitness professional since 1997-ish. Um, and right around 24, 25 years old, I got really, really interested in corrective exercise. Uh, because I really messed my shoulder up uh, right before a Golden Gloves fight. And I thought I wasn't going to be able to box anymore because I could not move my shoulder the right way. And this was before foam rolling was or is as popular as it is now. Um, I think I maybe had seen one and I was laughing at the person who did it. You know, I used to think, well, you know, you're at the gym. Why are you, you should be working out, not laying on the floor. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, until I hurt my shoulder. And then I asked that person how to, how to do it. And all of a sudden I felt better. So um, I just took that, got really passionate about it. And then um, ended up teaching for the national Academy of sports medicine, uh, teaching corrective exercise, performance enhancement. Um, I became a licensed massage therapist to understand the anatomy and physiology um, a little bit more and to be able to expedite the process um, and really just dedicating as much time as I can to reading and understanding and listening to podcasts like the Ben Greenfield podcast or the Bulletproof podcast where, you know, they really geek out on the, the quote unquote biohacking aspect, which uh, is another term I'm not very in love with, but, um, you know, a rose by any other name smells just as sweet, I suppose. You touched on being an athlete yourself. What is your athletic background? So my athletic background is almost exclusively in martial arts and fight sports. Um, I did play football and lacrosse. Uh, and that was it. I tried out for baseball, didn't make that, but that was middle school. 
Um, but I've been doing karate since, or I did karate from 11 to 18. I competed in Muay Thai. Uh, I competed in Golden Gloves for several years. Uh, and for the past 10 years or so, uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Um, I really love the, not just the one-on-one -on -one aspect, and, it's, and it has nothing to do with learning to fight, quote-unquote. I like solving puzzles. Uh, and Max Kellerman, I think it was Max Kellerman once said that all sports are essentially one side imposing their will against the other, but boxing uh, is the same, but there's no medium between the two. There's no ball, there's no racket, there's no other teammates. It's really just trying to solve a problem um, and impose your will against the other person. And I just always gravitated towards that. How much do you think your career as an athlete would have been different if you had access to and knowledge of all these recovery tools that you're now working with? Oh, it'd be night and day. I mean, I can't even compare the two. Um, you know, and this, this really will circle back to something I opened with, which is really how we define recovery. Uh, I didn't, I had that one issue with my shoulder, but um, as is the case with a lot of athletes, it's not uh, what's going on below the shoulders. It's what's going on above it and specifically between your ears uh, in that uh, on my way to fights, on my ways to heavy sparring sessions is really having that anticipatory anxiety. And it had nothing to do with getting hurt. It's just, how am I going to perform? Am I going to live up to what I should be doing? And all athletes go through that. I'm sure. I mean, at least up until a certain point. And, uh, you know, we spend so much time practicing, 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 where if you just got out of your own way, your muscle memory will by and large get the job done. But what messes that up is overthinking. So, you know, things like Nucom that knock that completely out. I mean, I wish I had that and, or I wished that I knew people like Larry Holmes, you know, I read a book where he said he sometimes would cry before he went into a fight. And, you know, some of the biggest beasts I know personally, I found out that they used to get super nervous. So like you, and I, like, I wish I knew that back then. I thought I was the only one. So, uh, but yeah, I, I really, I, I wish, but they say you can wish in one hand and uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know if there's cursing on the show. So I'll just stop that <laughs> quote right there. <laughs> uh, so this is probably a little bit nuanced. So I'm going to ask a, a kind of two-part question, but at the same time, because it could be the same path for both. Sure. If someone is curious about recovery, whether it's they work with an organization where they feel like this would help the athletes, or whether it's for themselves or the others on a, a front office staff and their own aches and pains from running at night after sitting at a desk all day, if you're recovery curious, let's call it, <laughs> what would you recommend they do to learn more and find out how accessible and how this may help them and or the team that they're working with? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, first and foremost, I mean, I'm always happy for people to email me. I mean, I, I always will make myself as available as I can. Um, so if, if you want to put my email up in the show notes, I mean, I don't know if people typically give it out on air. I will. Um, but a it. lot of, Oh, okay. So it's Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at recovernyc.com. So um, Aaron at recovernyc.com. And a lot of the websites uh, nowadays do a pretty good job uh, because I think as the culture evolves and people are becoming more concerned, any most brands understand that you can't just say, here's the product, because I think the product is the is really the commodity. The product is the knowledge and understanding on, is this for me? How do I use it? When do I use it? Um, so a, a lot of the websites, uh, like Whoop, I know has the locker room, which that's not a recovery technology, but it helps gauge the efficacy. You know, so they have um, their information hub there, but uh, Hyperice, their website's fantastic. Uh, Newcom website, you know, provides a lot of information, um, really anything that you're looking for. Now, the, the hard part is trying to find a hub where it's the navigation super easy. Here's who I am. Here's all the different technologies. Which one do I pick? Um, I would suggest probably reach out to me if you're in that uh, situation. But if you know of a technology and you're curious, the websites do 
pretty good job. I would suggest steering away from YouTube um, because like it, it, unless you're checking who's posting it. Now, if it's from uh, an accredited source, that's great. But YouTube, there's really no restrictions on who's putting what content up. So it's a, a gamble on, um, you know, how productive your time spent or, or how accurate that information is. You mentioned some of these devices costing hundreds of thousands of dollars and LeBron spending $1.5 million on this, but this is accessible. It's not totally cost prohibitive for everybody. How attainable is this for the lay person? Very much so. And, and, and again, I think that that's a byproduct of the culture shifting. Um, you know, things, foam rollers used to be a lot more expensive than they are, but Hyperice does a great job at, at, at really lowering the costs and making it more affordable. Um, you know, there's some tools that like the CVAC or the Novathor, they're never going to be able to bring the price point down because it costs a lot of money to build them. Um, but, you know, a lot of them are now anywhere between, you know, most tools, $40 and maybe 200, you know, which 200, especially now uh, with a lot of people, you know, laid off from work. I mean, it's, it's a pretty penny, but um, it can be affordable. And, you know, things like Newcom, again, it used to be about $5,500, which is pretty much why I opened Recovers because I wanted one. And I said, I will never afford that without my wife killing me. So uh, <laughs> I opened a facility, which is kind of a long roundabout way to do it. But um, they changed a lot of their um, uh, overhead structure. So when they went from the creams to the patches, um, that cut down a lot of the the margin. So now you can get it for as low as 30 bucks a month, 20 bucks, a, or uh, no, I'm sorry, 30 bucks for the first month. And then it's like 50 bucks a month for the membership and you get everything you need sent to you every month. So I'm um, really trying to be responsive to the masses who understand I will be a better person if I create balance. So um, I think, and I think that trend's going to continue with most things. It's, it's going to become more affordable uh, as the, as the time goes on. And I will link to New Calm and to Recover and try to find as much information on these things that we've discussed as I can to put into the show notes as, long, as well as having your email address in there. So hopefully awesome. people can find a lot of information by checking out the show notes on credentialsonly.com. I do close every episode with what I call the set pieces, the same half dozen questions for each of my guests. And the first one is about podcasts and newsletters. You've already mentioned Ben Greenfield and Bulletproof as a couple podcasts you listen to. Are there others or newsletters that you get to stay educated and keep learning? Yeah, I, I listened to uh, NASM, the organization I teach for, the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Uh, they have a few different podcasts, actually. And uh, if you just go into, uh, I have an iPhone, so I always use um, you know the Apple version, but I, I'm almost positive they're on every platform. So if you just type in uh, National Academy of Sports Medicine, uh, there's at least two and uh, they're always really good specifically to the human movement science, understanding the way the body works, exercise. Um, they do get into some recovery elements, uh, but definitely the athletic and fitness space, it's a great one. Um, and then as far as my time spent on podcasts, I mean, I, I rattled off the ones that I utilize to educate myself. I mean, I'll sometimes, I mean, I consider Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history, uh, an educational podcast, but not to what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. uh, but then the other ones I listen to are really to decompress. And we talked about, uh, looking at your entire day through the lenses of recovery. Uh, there's sometimes where my brain just gets overloaded and I just need to recover by just having some me time. So there's podcasts like uh, The Honeydew with a, a comedian named Ryan Sickler. I, I find that one um, really good as far as going for a ride and just having fun. Um, and I listen to a ton of audiobooks, um, but the podcasts I used to listen to more, but it's, it's transitioned a bit these days. On social media, who are your most valuable follows, the posts you do not want to be missing? Um, I'm a really odd social media guy. I mean, I, um, you know, I, I, prior to recover opening, I mean, I had an Instagram account and I had, you know, 300 people and I just, I, I, I do so much during my day that it's like, I, I, that's just one more thing for me to do. And I do it, but I do it for business purposes. Um, so, I mean, my, my, 
account now is, is a little bit more robust, but I still don't spend that much time on there. I'll post something in the hopes of educating people. Um, so I'll put things on mine. Um, I do appreciate, again, Ben Greenfield's Instagram posts, uh, Jocko Willink, uh, you know, as far as mindset stuff, uh, you know, he's written some great books. David Goggins, again, for motivation and mindset. Uh, you know, I would say as far as I don't want to miss it, David Goggins is probably top of the list. Uh, I don't think he's put out a post yet that uh, I've been, quote unquote, disappointed with. I mean, they're always pretty poignant and, um, you know, they make you feel like you could kick a door down and get anything done that you want. So I really appreciate his stuff. What are a couple of books that you would recommend people check out? Um, on the education side, uh, Why We Sleep is a really good one. Um, there's a, a book called The Placebo Effect by Dr. Joe Dispenza uh, that I think is a real eye opener, again, for, for what we're capable of and, um, you know, the, the limitations that we hold. Uh, ourselves to at times, um, you know, sometimes it can kind of go off into the weeds a little bit. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that I subscribe to every element, but for the most part, it's really good. Um, and if you want to go for just a ride, uh, I just finished Jim Carrey's book, which I, I thought was his biography at first. And then there was a couple parts and I'm not going to give any, uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but and there are some parts that caught my attention. I'm like, I don't remember that happening in the media. And then it goes way off the cliff. You're like, oh, this is completely fiction. So it's it's just a really fun decompressed ride. And uh, Jeff Daniels uh, narrates it. So it, it's, it's fun. What would you consider your cheat code or your best life hack? Uh, my best life hack is... Uh, eating properly. So, you know, I'd said before you can't out technology, a, a poor lifestyle, um, you know, eating properly. Uh, I'll do intermittent fasting as well. Um, getting the proper sleep, uh, you know, there, it used to be a badge of honor for how little sleep people could, could, um, get and then still function. And that goes to the, are you showing up or are you walking through the door dichotomy? Uh, so sleep, and then you know, not to keep plugging it, but, uh, you know, I, I, I plug it for a reason. I mean, I knew calm every single day and uh, there was probably a two week period where I didn't because things got hectic. Uh, and I, I noticed by day two, like I am, I'm craving some new calm right now. It's not that I was uh, you know, anything wasn't functioning. It's just, once I got a taste for how good and how well I could function, I'm like, I don't really want to go back to good enough. So those are, those are the big ones. What's your favorite sports memory as a kid? My favorite sports memory. Um, yeah, we didn't really go to any. So, you know, my family didn't watch a lot of sports. Um, you know, so I, I think probably when I used to watch Mike Tyson fights with with my dad in, in the 80s, um, you know, I mean, that I don't know if that's what really lit the fire uh, inside me. But, um, you know, he would watch NASCAR and he'd watch football, but I was never really that interested in it. Um, again, I played it, but when we, when he put on the Tyson fights, uh, I mean, I'd be glued to the TV, uh, like nobody's business. You have gone out, I know, and done this at a few different events and, and obviously sounds like attended quite a few fights in your life as well. Do you keep your credentials? And if so, where is that collection? Oh, I absolutely keep my credentials. Yeah. Um, and it's a quick, funny story on that. So um, I also used to put together uh, programming for um, a lot of athletes uh, on behalf of Everlast. So they'd put together a, in for kids. So they'd put together a camp for three days where a football player would do the sports specific drills. I would do the conditioning. Um, but I used to go to the Everlast office in the spring and they'd have the breakdown for what the summer looked like. And I didn't know any of the names. I'd say, who's Arian Foster? And like, how do you not know who Arian Foster is? And it would be everybody. It's just because I'm, I live under a rock for the most part, but then I'd, I'd go and work with them. But yeah, I keep them and they're all in my bedroom. Aaron, I really appreciate the time. Uh, learned a lot from this, but I appreciate you kind of distilling it for someone like me to understand and uh, appreciate the effort to educate people here on recovery because I do think it is something that is beneficial, not just to those elite athletes like LeBron and Tom Brady, but yeah. for everybody in every walk of life. So thanks for taking the time to walk us through it. 
Absolutely. And thank you, Pete. And I, and I forgot, as I was uh, mentioning, there's not one hub where you can kind of learn everything. I just launched a website the other day called thechambercollective.co, not .com, uh, where I am going to have an information hub. And I've got about 20 different high performers that will all be contributing content to it. So blogs, vlogs, videos, tips, as well as myself. So if people want to go there, uh, eventually, sooner than later, that hub will exist there. And uh, thank you so much. And I'll have that link in the show notes, along with links to so much else of what we've done. So check out credentialsonly.com to learn more. I have to admit that while I am no athlete, I have tried out a number of the different recovery tools that Aaron described in this episode, and I have found them to be very beneficial. Definitely recommend learning more if you are looking to improve your own performance. A big thanks to Aaron for his time and to you for listening. Don't forget, visit credentialsonly.com for show notes. Trying to share as much as I can to help on this technical jargon that we discussed. While you're there, drop us your email. We'll slide into your inbox when we have a new episode to share. If you like what you heard, please do us a favor. Leave a rating and review wherever you are listening. And also don't forget that you can follow us on social media. We're at Credentials Only on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. Mike Mouche edits Credentials Only which is a Holter Media Production.